morning adventure. You guys can talk to me, it's okay. Just don't heckle me, Chase. Where'd he go? <laughs> well, I'm, uh, I'm going to be continuing today with the series that we started two weeks ago. Last week, we were blessed to have Kelly come and share with us about baptism. Isn't Kelly awesome? So we want to say hi. Can you guys say hi to the American Fork campus? Hello, American Fork. Um, as Chase mentioned, uh, we're, it's one church, but two different locations. Um, they are tearing it up down there. God is doing great things. And we're really, really blessed to have such passionate people. They, they really do see Utah County as their mission field. And they're really thrilled to be able to go down there and, and uh, just really share the good news, the good news of Jesus Christ. So we're really excited about that. Um, so I wanted to do something this week. We're going to have a little review. So I know it was two weeks ago that we started with the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes are blessings. These, this is a way, I mean, imagine someone came to you and sat you down and said, hey, I want to give you eight principles, and if you follow these principles, you will be completely blessed and fulfilled. What would you want to do with that? Yeah, you'd want to you'd want to pay attention. And that's that's what the beatitudes are. It's it's actually Jesus's way of saying, "Hey, if you do these things, if you are this way, you will be fulfilled. You will be completely fulfilled." And I'm just going to be honest, I, I I feel like too many Christians go by the name of Jesus. They go by the name of Christian or the name of disciple of Christ, but they're not fulfilled. And that's what this series is about. It's about finding fulfillment in the word of God and in the ways of God. And so there are eight of them. Next week, we're really blessed to have Kevin Kligman, who is the pastor to our churches in the Philippines. He's going to be sharing with us. Um, yeah, woo! That's exciting because they're... I mean, they went to the Philippines and they have planted several churches and they are going and reaching people that that other people have just forgotten. They're going into the slums and they're feeding people and bringing them to church and bringing them to Christ. And it's going to be really exciting to be able to hear from Kevin. But he is going to continue with the Beatitudes. Um, and it's interesting because he's talking about being persecuted. And that is something that they have experienced a great deal of. So he's going to be sharing a lot of personal stories. So I would suggest if you have a, a friend that you've kind of been wanting to invite to church next week would be a really good time to do it because he's going to be sharing some really good stories with us, some stories of the faithfulness of the Lord. But first of all, we're going to start today, before we get into our message, we're going to start with the review. So do not open up your phone, especially to play Candy Crush or something. If you can remember, what is the first beatitude that we talked about last time? I'll give you a hint. It starts with the word blessed. <laughs> blessed are the, those? Nope. Nope. Who cheated? Who looked at their phone? Yep, poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit for what? Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Okay, what's the second one? Blessed are those who 
mourn, for they shall be... Good. What's the third one? Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Okay. So those are the first three. Now we're going to go into the next three today. And I'm going to talk a little bit later about how they're all sequential and they all build on each other, which is so amazing and classic God, just typical God. It all makes sense. It all works together. There's all kinds of little hidden little meanings. And, and you know, actually, Jesus said of his word, of, of specifically of the Gospels, that the secrets of the kingdom are contained within them. Don't you guys love to find out secrets? Don't you like to be in on the secret? We can be in on the secret. And we can shine bright for the Lord because we know him so well. So before we get into it, would you guys pray with me and for me? Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful, Lord, for just the... Lord, the people that got here early and just prepared the way, God, for the service, the people who came and um, set up the building and stuffed the envelopes and um, got the parking lot ready and got ready to teach the kids. Lord, I'm so grateful. I pray for your extra blessing to be on them, God. I thank you that, Lord, that we can live in America God, that we can worship you freely, that we don't have to be afraid. Lord, but we also know that we live in America so we can be really distracted. In the name of Jesus today, Lord, I pray that you would open up all of our hearts, every person hearing this message. Open our hearts, Lord. Give us a deeper revelation of who you are. Let us connect with you by your spirit. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray each one of us would have an encounter with you, an experience with you. Lord, that I would speak as though speaking the words of God. Lord, I just set aside my own agenda and I ask you, Lord, to lead me and to guide me by your spirit. I invite you, God, give me wisdom. Give me knowledge, Lord. Give me insight so that I can share what you have on your heart for for the adventure today. Pray for blessings, Lord. I pray that each and every person here today would come to know you more. Just like that song, Lord, we hunger and thirst. We want to know you more. We surrender. In Jesus' name, amen. So I titled, I didn't, I didn't talk to Laura about the songs that she was doing, but that I thought it was really amazing that she does that. I hunger and thirst. That's that song. I surrender um, because the message today is about hungry and thirsty, pure and merciful. We're going to be going continuing in Matthew five verses six through eight, and we're going to do a little tiny review here too. Do you guys remember what the word um, makarios means? That's the Greek word. What does it mean? Anybody? It means blessed ones or blessings. So that's what the Beatitudes are. They're makarios, which, again, the English language is is too um, limiting when it comes to really expressing the true meaning. That's why I love going into the original language. I love knowing the original definition because... Makarios means supremely blessed, fortunate, well-off, happy, 
blessed, victorious, prosperous, fulfilled, satisfied. Sign me up, right? Do you want to be blessed? Jesus is telling us, he's, he's making it plain to us. He's showing us how we can be blessed. And so if you go back and review the last three, so it starts out, it's like I mentioned, it's sequential. So it's, oh, by the way, um, I'm sorry for my large thumb. I almost cut half of it off making sweet potato fries. So, so it's gnarly. So I hope this doesn't distract you. I know that I talk with my hands a lot, but... Um, but the first beatitude, okay, is blessed are the poor in spirit. That's a recognition that we're desperate for God, that we cannot save ourselves. We need a savior. Even in the 12-step programs, they say, I, I need a higher power. We know it's Jesus, but I, need, I can't do it myself. I'm helpless. That's number one, hungry or, or for those who are poor in spirit. Okay, then the next one is Mourning over our sin, mourning over how we've grieved the heart of God. It says we'll be comforted. And then the third one, the meekness. Remember when we talked about the example of the 900-pound horse and just with your hand, you can move that horse. You can just gently or just a, a tiny little tug of the reins can, can stop a 900-pound horse. That's what meekness is. It's having your, maybe having power but not abusing it and just being controlled by the hand of the master, understanding that Jesus is our Lord. He is our God, and we do things unto him. So, th- so it goes sequentially. And so now the next one that we go into, <clears throat> we start in Matthew 5, verses Uh, six through eight, it says, God blesses those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be makaria. They will be satisfied. They will be fulfilled. Okay. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. So we're going to cover those three today. I want to read it to you out of the message, because I think the message uses little uh, cliches and colloquialisms that kind of help us understand it a little more deeply. So Matthew 5 says, You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink and the best meal you'll ever eat. You're blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful, you will find that you yourself are cared for. You're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and your heart put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. So these are the three that we're going to cover today. First of all, starting out with those who are hungry and thirsty. God blesses those who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. We as human beings have this in common. We have hunger And we have thirst. That's the great equalizer. Every human being has hunger and thirst. So this isn't that unusual that Jesus would use this example to express how much he wants us to yearn for the things of him. Because it's an ongoing thing, but that it can be satiated. He is giving us that promise that when we hunger and thirst for the things that are important, righteousness and justice and all of the things that are important to God, when we yearn for that, we will be satisfied. We will be completed. We will be fulfilled. 
and we all have hunger, and we all have thirst. But my question for you today is, are you hungry and thirsty for righteousness? Are you hungry and thirsty for the things of the Lord? You know, people will do super desperate things when they're starving to death. When people are starving to death, they will do things they normally would have never done. And so that's my question. Is that what you're yearning for? Are you yearning for the things of God? Or are you just seeking after the things of this world? I I stand up here as an expert. I can tell you, every single path in the world leads to emptiness. The things of this world will never ever satisfy you know before I came to the Lord I went down every one of those roads and they were all dead ends every single one of them and the Lord is telling us that when we yearn for him we will be filled when we yearn for his thing his ways and his thoughts Isaiah 55 says is anyone thirsty Come and drink, even if you have no money. Come and take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? Listen to me, and you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. The Lord is asking us today, why spend your efforts on things that are never going to bring you fulfillment? Why waste your time on things that are going to leave you longing for more? Jesus says of himself that he is the bread of life. I'm going to skip um, the beginning part of here. I put too much in here. This, is, this follows after, do you remember the story of the feeding of the 5,000, the fishes and the loaves? Jesus took a little tiny bit and made it multiply and multiply. And... Um, This is following that. This is in reference to that. And Jesus says, um, I'm going to start in verse 26. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you. Not because you understood the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For the Father has given me the seal of his approval. And they replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? Check this out. Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. And they answered, well, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. He's the source of all of it. My father did, and now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. 
Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But you haven't believed in me, even though you've seen me. However, those the Father has given me will come to me, and I will never reject them. Jesus is the bread of life. The bread, the sustenance of life. That's how he refers to himself. And he also refers to himself as the living water. John 7.37 says, On the last day, the climax of the the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. And when he had said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit, who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. Now it says here that this was on the last day of, the, of this festival. This is the Feast of the Tabernacles, the Sukkot, I think it's pronounced. Ira, are you here? It's, it's a Jewish festival. <laughs> anyway, this was all, it was all about water, and they had like this, this like kind of like a parade thing. And we don't understand the significance of this, because we turn on our faucet and water. You know, we kind of take it for granted. But in this culture, in their culture, if they didn't have water, if they had a drought, it was over. I mean, they needed water. Water was everything to them. It sustained them. And and if you've ever been to Israel, you know that it's pretty dry in a lot of places. And, And they were very, very dependent on water. And you know, for those of you who do sports, you know that they always say, I, loved, I love sports, and they always say that when you start to feel thirsty, that you're already dehydrating. Your body is already in, this, in the state of dehydration. And that's why Jesus is saying that when we're thirsty for him, we will never thirst again. That, you know, do you know how long you can live without water? Three days, and then you will die without water. That's how important water is to us. It, it drives every one of our systems. Water is so significant, and Jesus is saying he's the living water and that we will never thirst again. So I'm going to ask you again, are you hungering and thirsting for his ways? Are you hungering and thirsting for what Jesus is, is telling you is significant? Why hunger and thirst for things that will never satisfy? The second beatitude we're going to talk about today is those who are merciful. We're going to talk about mercy. It says, God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. The Greek word is elios. Mercy is a readiness to help those in trouble. Or mercy is kindness or good or goodwill toward the miserable and the afflicted, joined with a desire to relieve them. So mercy, it's not enough to feel sorry for someone or to feel pity for them or to to be sad or compassionate. What mercy indicates is that it is something that drives us toward helping others. It drives us to, to give them relief. That's what mercy really is. It's not simply a feeling. 
You know, it's, it's more than that. It's beyond just, oh, I feel so sad for them. It, it's something that initiates you to want to do something to help someone else out who's hurting or miserable. And the thing is that mercy, I mean, we could actually do a, a sermon series for a whole year and still never even cover the depth of what the word mercy means. Mercy is so significant, and what it means is not really getting what you deserve. So this is very convicting for me when I see the, okay, so I'm in Draper. I always say, whenever anybody asks me where I live, I say, I live in Draper, but I don't hate homeless people because, you know, there was that whole debacle with the homeless shelter coming to Draper. But the thing is, how often do we see somebody standing on that street corner and we just judge them? We're just like, well, they're probably on drugs. And I have to say, uh, for those of you who don't know, my, um, my husband passed away a little over a year ago, and he was such an example of mercy. For example, we would go to a restaurant, and if our service was terrible, <laughs> we were talking about this before, if our service was terrible, he would always say, well, let's give him a good tip. And I'm like, that's like lying. That's like saying, oh, my service was good. I go, no, that's the wrong message. His point was, we don't get what we deserve from God. God is generous with his mercy, so we should be generous too, even to wait people who are terrible. Why would he do that? (laughs) Isn't that convicting? Isn't it so much easier to go, well, they don't deserve it, so I'm not giving them anything, rather than thinking, We don't get what we deserve from God. Remember the Bible says that he does not treat us as our sins deserve. How many are grateful for that? When you think back on your life, everything you've ever done, and and to think God could just flick each and every one of us right off the face of the earth, just into oblivion. But instead, he pours out his mercy on us. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. It says in Micah 6.8, it says, No, O people, the Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you. So you're expecting this huge, long list. Oh, these are all the things God requires of you. This is what he requires, to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Isn't it amazing that that's all he requires of us? To do what is right? to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. Matthew 9.13, Jesus added, Now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want to show mercy, not offer sacrifices, for I have come to call not those who think they're righteous, but those who know they are sinners. That's what mercy is. Have you guys ever, do you guys know the, the band Mercy Me? This is totally not a spiritual thing. I'm just going to share this story with you because it's so funny. So the band Mercy Me was, um, before they were Mercy Me, they were trying to figure out what their name was. So they were at this rehearsal and um, they were were just, you know, putting out all these different names. And the lead singer got a call from his grandma and she said, what are you boys doing? And he said, "Um, we're trying to come up with a name for our band. She said, Mercy Me, are you still in that stupid band? Why don't you get a real job? (laughs) mercy me we don't really use that word very much in our vocabulary other than at church but 
back in those days, I guess, mercy me. <laughs> you know, mercy triumphs over judgment. And this one, this, this principle is really convicting for me. Because you know, do you guys know what the word licentiousness is? Do you, anybody know what licentiousness means? Licentiousness is a big word that simply means people that are free to do whatever they feel like with no regard to the law, no regard to what is right. It's, it's a license to sin, a license to do whatever you want. And it's, it's a negative connotation. So I was licentious before I came to Christ. So what typically happens with people like me and people like Eric is that once we come to the Lord, then we become completely judgmental. Anybody with me? Anybody else? When I first came to the Lord, I thought that judgment was a spiritual gift. And I thought that it was my duty to share with all those sinners just how they were sinning. I was so judgmental. After everything I had come out of, you'd think that I would have been like the most gracious person. But Eric wasn't very gracious in the beginning either. He was pretty judgmental. And one time we read this passage in in the book of James, James chapter 2, verse 12. And in the NIV it says, mercy triumphs over judgment. (laughs) We were both so convicted. Mercy triumphs over judgment. It says, whatever you say, whatever you do, remember that you'll be judged by the law that sets you free. There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. Can you just look at the person next to you and go, ouch. (laughs) Ouch. Matthew 18, 33, it says, shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Isn't it it so easy to point out other people's sin? It is not a spiritual gift, for those of you who are wondering. It is not a spiritual gift to point out someone else's sin. It doesn't really take any talent to do that. What is significant is helping someone walk out of that sin. That's what it says in Galatians. It says that if you can help someone out of that sin, that's what takes some talent and some skill and some wisdom and the Holy Spirit (laughs) to to help someone get set free from their sin rather than just merely pointing it out. Because I don't know about you, but how many of you have had someone come and tell you something about yourself that was derogatory? And you're kind of like, yeah, I already know that. I don't know how to change it. Yeah? It isn't helpful for someone to just tell you how horrible you are. It's really helpful for someone to say, you know what? I struggled with the same thing. Let me help you. Let me walk with you. Let's, let's be accountable to one another. It's significant. Our God is a God of mercy. Hallelujah. Psalm 86.15 says, But you, O Lord, are a God of compassion and mercy, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I'm so relieved about that, aren't you? And, it, and if we show mercy, if we're merciful to others, then we will see the mercy of God toward ourselves. The third beatitude we're going to talk about today is God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. So let's back it up. What does pure mean? Anybody? What does pure mean? You can see here. Catharos, 
or katharos. It's, it means clean, which we think of, right? We think pure means clean, unstained, either literally or ceremony, ceremonially or spiritually, guiltless, innocent, upright. But it also means pure as in not divided, not mixed with anything else. You know, they say if you take a barrel of pure water and put just a drop of arsenic in it, the whole barrel of water will be impure. Right? And that's what this is talking about. This is not just talking about clean. It's talking about a heart that is unifocused, a heart that is undivided and un. Um, meshed with anything else. It's clean, pure, unstained, guiltless, innocent, upright, and unmixed with anything else. And the second thing is the heart. What is the heart? When it's talking about heart in the Bible, it's cardia. Anybody know what comes out of that word, cardia? Cardiac. Cardiac. The guy's having a cardiac arrest. It's Um, It means, though, in the Bible, it means the heart, the mind, the character, the inner self, the will, the intention, the center, the effective center of our being, the capacity of our moral preferences, volition, desire, choice, our desire producer that makes us tick, that's a little pun, our desire decisions that establish who we really are, that's what the heart is. The heart is talking about whatever it is that motivates us, whatever it is within us. It's the internal. It's not what we, what we do on the outside. It's what's going on inside, in our, in our spirit and in our heart. Here's a fun fact, fun fact for you. The Bible talks about the heart over 800 times, but it is never referring to the literal physical pump that drives your blood. It's never talking about that. It is talking only about this internal, this the decision maker and the, the will and all of that. That's what the Bible is talking about. So whenever the Bible talks about your heart, that's what it's talking about, your intentions and what drives you. It's in reference to who we really are, to our true selves, even when no one else is looking. There's a quote. It has been attributed to C.S. Lewis, but apparently that's not true. But it's a great quote anyway. It says, integrity is doing the right thing, even when no one is watching. So who are you when there's no one else looking? You know, the Bible does say that the eyes of the Lord are on the evil and the good. You know, he's always, he knows everything. But who are you when you're by yourself? Are you the same person that you are when you walk through the doors on Sunday? Oh, hallelujah, brother, bless you. God bless you, hallelujah. God bless you. Oh, I'm so blessed. Is that who you are? But then at home you're looking at porn or thinking evil thoughts or jealous thoughts or gossiping at work. But then as soon as you come to church, I'm blessed. (laughs) The heart is what drives whatever it is that we do. 
that's what the heart is. And Jesus is saying he wants our heart to be unmixed with anything else, unmixed with the things of this world, unmixed with the, the devil and our flesh and the world. He wants our heart to be pure for him, only for him. There was a father and his son, and they were driving down the road, and they came across this pumpkin patch, and it was just this enormous miles and miles of pumpkins. And the dad pulls over, and he told his son, he goes, hey, go grab one of those pumpkins. And the little boy's like, well, daddy, but they don't belong to us. He goes, it's fine. They're not, not going to miss one. Dad said, but when you go out there, make sure you look both ways before you grab one. And he goes, Daddy, shouldn't I look up too? <laughs> there was a guy named Dr. Joseph Lister. He was a, a godly man. He lived in England, and during the time when, when he was alive, 50 to 80% of all people that went in for surgery ended up dying of infection. And he began to read the Levitical law, actually, in the book of Leviticus in chapter 15, where it talks about, you know, keeping things pure and clean and and things that are unclean. And he started to think that there was some type of principle that was taking place when people were going in for surgery, that their body was being opened up. Like, say, for example, they were having a knee surgery, so so their knee would be exposed, and whatever it was from the outside would be getting in and causing an impurity, in the body, which would create sepsis, which would cause them to die. So when he first started presenting this principle to people, they were just like, no, that has nothing to do. Because at that time, a surgeon would go from one surgery to the next without washing their hands, without changing their clothing. I mean, they would, you know, wipe their hands. I mean, it was just, it was a cesspool of germs. And so when he started reading this, he was really convicted and he felt like the Lord was saying that there was something about being clean and washing your hands in between. When he started to do that, the mortality rate dropped by 90% from infection. Isn't that amazing? The same thing is true of our hearts. That when we're opened up, to the things of the world, the things that want to stain us, the things that want to cause us to be impure, it creates an infection in us. You know, the Bible does say that sin leads to death. Maybe not physical death, but maybe the death of your peace or the death of your finances or the death of your relationships or some kind of a death. Sin always leads to death, but blessings for obedience Obedience always leads to life. And that's why Jesus is so set on getting us to obey. Not because he's a control freak, which he could be, because he does have all the control. He does have all the power. But he wants us to be prosperous and fulfilled and blessed. You know, the Bible says in 1 Peter 3, 1, it says, God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. So I struggled when I, when I first read this scripture where it says, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Because there is another scripture, there are other scriptures that say that no one can see God and live or no one can see, you know, no one can see God face to face. So I felt like that was a contradiction. 
because it says in 1 John 4, 12, no one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. But it says no one has seen God. But then now Jesus is saying, you're blessed if you're pure in heart and then you will see God. So I always kind of wondered about that. So I'm just going to talk a little bit today about something that's called the law of non-contradiction, which states something cannot be true and not true at the same time. That's Aristotle. Meet Aristotle. I have a degree in philosophy because that's super practical, (laughs) and I've been able to use it so many times since I graduated. That was sarcasm. Okay, so this is Aristotle. It says, Aristotle says, without knowing the principle of non-contradiction, we could not know anything that we do know because it can't be true and not true at the same time. And so I, I wondered about this. How can we say that no one has seen God, but then Jesus wants us to see God with pure hearts? So speaking of contradiction, yeah. Okay, moving on. Um, <laughs> Billy Graham said, can you see God? You haven't seen him. I've never seen the wind, but I've seen the effects of the wind, but I've never seen the wind. There's a mystery to it. And what this is in reference to is not seeing God because God is spirit, right? Jesus was God in the flesh, but God is spirit. And therefore, this is talking about the face of God, which means God's character and the things that God does and the, thing, the, the, the activities and the miraculous things that go on in our lives that we can only see if we're pure in heart. It's to see God's face. And this is a term that is used to refer to his favor toward us. For God to turn his face to his people is to offer him grace and help. For God to turn his face against his people is to withhold his favor and his blessing. And so to seek the face of God is to seek God's favor. And that's what this is talking about. To be pure in heart, you will see him. You you can seek him. And you can see him moving in your midst. I was talking with my friend Jackie last week about a situation where God went before them and did like this unbelievable miracle in their finances. I mean, it's one of those things that you just like stand back and go, that had to be God. And the thing is that she recognized it as God. Where some people might go, oh, that's just a coincidence. She saw it as this is God. And that's what it means to see God, to see what he's doing in our midst. So who will see God? The pure in heart will see God, but it says in Psalm 24, who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Only those whose hands and hearts are pure, who do not worship idols and will never tell lies. They will receive the Lord's blessing and have a right relationship with God, their Savior. Clean hands, which means the things that you do, the the work of your hands. That's it's symbolic of your actions but your heart is symbolic of who you are. And that these are the ones who will stand in his presence, those who have clean hands and a pure heart. Because, you know, in the Bible, when we talk about lifting up our hands, incidentally, you know, in worship, if, if you've never seen that before, the reason that we do that is because 
our hands symbolize our hearts. Whatever's going on in our hearts, if our hands are, are uplifted and open and clean, ready to receive, that indicates what's happening in our hearts. So during worship, we lift our hands. First of all, because the Bible says that we should, but then second of all, it is symbolic of what's happening in our hearts, that we're longing to receive him. To see God requires that we are single-focused. Remember that to be pure means like pure as in 100% pure avocado oil or 100% pure coconut water. or You know, it's, it's not mixed with anything else. Yes, I used the word coconut in church. <laughs> How will we see God? Hebrews 12.2 says, We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility that he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you've not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. You know, I want to back up a little bit um, to Psalm 24, you know where it said um, they will receive the Lord's blessing and have a right relationship with God, their Savior. I just want to point that out. If you're if you're sharing the Lord with someone who's wondering if Jesus is God, this particular passage right there is talking about their Savior. And who does the New Testament say our Savior is? Jesus. It says a Savior is given. A child is born. A Savior is given. That's talking about Jesus. Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. Come down in the flesh. So my question for you again. Are you hungry and thirsty for the things of God? Are you yearning for God? Or are you just kind of, yeah, I'm a Christian. Like, uh, yeah, I go to the club, I go to the gym, or yeah, I'm on a softball team, or is that your focus? My second question is, have you received mercy? Do you need mercy? Are you willing to allow the Lord to use you to give mercy to someone who's hurting? Are you willing to ask the Lord to send someone your way this week? to challenge you, to show mercy so that you can see God moving in and through you so that you can receive mercy? My other question is, are you pure in heart? Is your heart divided? Is your heart tainted and stained by this world or by your own flesh? Are you pure in heart? yearning for him wanting to know him more along with that I want to I just want to make sure you understand Jesus said that he would send us a comforter but but that when we're growing in Christ the Holy Spirit is a convictor he convicts us of our sin that's different than condemnation condemnation says there's no hope for you you're stuck You're going to be like this for the rest of your life. Conviction says 
yes, you're doing it this way, but God has freedom for you. And so I want to encourage you, if, you're, if you are racked by condemnation, understand and know this, God loves you. And he has made a way for you to be delivered and to be set free and to be fulfilled and to be blessed in the truest sense of the word. He loves you. Do not believe that you're the exception to that rule. Let's stand. Let's respond to the Lord, can we? This is between you and the Lord. I just want to ask, first of all, Father, we we come into your presence, Lord. We want to be hungry and thirsty for your righteousness, Lord. If that's you, can you just lift up your hand or both your hands as a sign of surrender? Just between you and the Lord. God, we, we yearn for you, Lord. We want to yearn for you more. God, we want to repent, Lord. We want to change our minds of yearning for the things that, that will not satisfy. God, we want only to be fulfilled by you, Lord. We want the eternal things, Lord. We want the bread of life and the living water. God, we just ask you to forgive us, Lord, for being divided in our affections, Lord, and in our desires. The second thing is, do you you want the Lord to challenge you to show mercy this week? I do. Lord, we we lift our hands up to you as a sign, God. We, We want your mercy, Lord. We thank you for your mercy. And Lord, we want... We ask, Lord, that you would send us somebody this week needing mercy so that we could extend that same mercy to them, Lord. Whether they deserve it or not, Lord, we could give give as a sign of what you've done for us, God, that we could reveal your mercy to somebody maybe that has never met you before. And then the last one is the pure in heart. Is your heart divided? Do you want to be single-focused? Do you want to be single-minded in your passion for God? If so, just lift your hands up as a sign that you're surrendering to God. Lord, we want to be undivided in our hearts. God, we only want to yearn for you, Lord. We want our hearts to be clean and pure and unstained by outside forces, Lord, by the world, by the enemy, by our own flesh. God, we just ask, Lord, that you would... Draw us near, Lord. We thank you that it is your kindness that leads us to repentance. God, we thank you that you have loved us with an everlasting love, that you have drawn us with your loving kindness, Lord. God, we want to see you, Lord. We want to be made aware of you at work in our midst. God, we want to see the things that you're doing. We bless you, Lord. We thank you, God. The next thing I want to ask is, now, I want to say this gently, but if you're, if you're a person, you go by the name of Jesus, but you don't ever read the Bible, I'm not saying this to cause any kind of condemnation, but I just want to say you're missing out. You're missing out. He wants to speak to you. He wants to speak life to you. Jesus is the word. And I mean, I'll just confess to you, you know, even yesterday I was, I was really struggling in the morning. I was having a really hard morning and, and I opened up the Bible and my first thought as I opened it was like, this probably isn't even going to really speak anything to me. 
But as I read it, it was like God was just filling me and just just overwhelming me. He is near to the brokenhearted and I could sense that. And I just want to say, if you're, if you're a person, you want to, you want to change that in your life. Just let's, let's just close our eyes and give people privacy between them and their God. But Lord, we, we ask for forgiveness, God, we have neglected your word. And, and Lord, I just pray in Jesus name, Lord, for each one of us, God, that as we hunger and thirst for righteousness, Lord, we would, we would hunger and thirst for truth and for your word. Lord, I pray that each one of us, God, could just just open up the Bible, Lord. There is nothing more important, God, that we, we would be faithful to know what you're speaking to us by your spirit through your word. Forgive us, Lord, and thank you that you are a God of hope. We bless you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And now, um, the last thing is, if you've never met Jesus, if you've never experienced the, the freedom that comes through knowing that you're forgiven because of what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross, we want to have a conversation with you. If you could just text BELIEVE to 801-876-1020, I will follow up with you or somebody will follow up with you. We want to take you out for coffee or for breakfast or for lunch or for dinner or to the rodeo or something. <laughs> Got some cowboys here. If you have never put your faith in Jesus, if you have never come to know him, please text us that number. We want to meet you. We want to have a talk with you, a conversation with you. There is no question that is off the table. Okay, I just want to say that. That if you're thinking, oh, I can't ask him my real questions, we want to answer the real questions. If we don't know the answer, we'll be honest. We'll tell you we don't know the answer, but we will definitely look into it. So if, if you, if you want to come to know Jesus as your Savior, we just want you to text us that number. So next week is Mother's Day. I know that can be a painful day for some of you, but um, we, we recognize that it's a Hallmark holiday, so while we want to honor our mothers, we think you should honor your mother 365 or 366 days a year. Okay, that's the principle of the Bible. But next week, um, Kevin Kligman will be coming to share about his adventures in the Philippines. So please bring a friend or bring an enemy. And I just want to bless you. <clears throat> the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you. The Lord be gracious to you. And lift, lift up his face upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hug a couple people on the way out. I love you guys. We'll see you next week.